Hi, I'm Tony. And I'm Patrick. And we want to welcome you to today's version of um, Cave to the Cross Apologetics. And we are continuing our discussion of um, Mitch Stokes' book, How to Be an Atheist. Right. And by the way, if you're enjoying these things, uh, it would be really helpful if you would subscribe, uh, share with your friends, and press the like button so that we know that uh, you know you're liking what we're putting together. Right. We're working our way now through the uh, science portion of this book. It's if you'll recall, this book is split up into two sections: science and morality. And we ended last time working our way through the six chapters. Uh, real science is hard, mm -hmm. right? And he talked to us about the nature of theory. How how theory works, the distinction between theory and hypotheses, a theory is an explanation, and there are various explanations to all of our observations, and so it makes it really difficult to do science because it's hard work. There, <laughs> since there are many observations, there are uh, multiple ways that things can be, um, can be explained, and, uh, and so it becomes uh, hard work for science. And right. We ended last time with um, uh, the idea that um, um, inference to the best explanation is kind of the work that the science is doing, right? So you make a hypothesis or a theory, you come up with something like that, and then you, uh, which is just an inference to the best explanation, mm -hmm. right? It, it, it allows us uh, to come up with a good explanation. The next section and um, that we want to look at is the question then that he's going to ask us, how do you know what is best. Mm -hmm. right? So we're trying to come up with the best explanation. All right, well, how do you know which one is the best explanation? Yeah, asking right? all the hard questions. Yeah. yeah. So he, one of his uh, uh, analogies that he's using throughout this chapter is the Copernicus and the uh, Ptolemaic debate, right? How Aristotle explained the, the, uh, the structure of our solar system versus how Copernicus, right? Uh, explain the structure of our uh, solar system. Copernicus said, hey, the sun is the center. Aristotle had explained, no, the earth is the center, mm -hmm. right? So he's using that as a way to help us to explain. So those are, ba those are two theories about how our solar system works and how we can explain the movement of the sun or seemingly movement of the sun or the idea that the sun is here at one time and then over here at another. There are two competing explanations two theories about how we can come up with that and so now the next question is how do we determine what is the best theory right, right? Um, and so uh, we, we we looked and said that uh, Hume's fork which is um, it's either um, just the facts uh, and so uh, we called those um, uh, uh, sense perceptions um, and those were the things that you uh, observed with, with uh, any of your five senses, or that they were relations to ideas, which are uh, things like the laws of logic, mathematics, um, uh, definitions that have to be true because of what they are, such as uh, a, a circle has uh, no corners, um, or two plus two equals four. Uh, so those are the, the two ways that we are able to um, uh, come up with uh, knowledge. Right. Yeah. The, the logical positivist then late in the 20th or the beginning of the 20th century then uh, uh, building on human capturing human ideas said that well so what what really allows us to have knowledge is what they call uh, uh, if we can if it can be verified by our sense experience mm -hmm. right verify verifiability the verification principle 
or if it's true by definition, mm -hmm. right? So mathematical statements are true by definitions, uh, whereas uh, facts uh, that uh, are uh, in the world that we can verify are true by our observations, our sense experience, right? So they basically took Hume's fork and modified it slightly for their purposes, right? Yeah. And so um, when we see with the uh, nature of our solar system, everyone had the same observations. Everyone had the same uh, laws of logic and mathematics at the time. Uh, so how do, we, how do we determine which one's the best explanation? So uh, we realize that sense experience alone, he says, is often not enough to determine the best explanation in many cases. It's different if you say, there's no such thing as the sun, sun comes up, you're wrong, okay? Uh, so how do we know what is best? And so uh, in this case, best is uh, conditioned by what you already believe about the world and the way that it works. And the same holds for any inference to the best explanation. Your idea of what constitutes a good scientific theory will also depend on your beliefs about the physical world, what it's like, uh, which has been shaped by a lifetime experience, some of which appear to have no relationship to science at all. Like you uh, look up to the s stars, you saw a shooting star, you went, wow, I think I can know about that. And that shaped your entire um, understanding that you can know what's out there. Uh, and what do we call this? We call this, of course, our worldview. Yeah. Our worldviews influence our theory choice. And so... Um, we, uh, we've, we've seen that in our, our last book, um, how we approach uh, supposed um, uh, issues within um, the Bible. And we say um, that, uh, you know, the, either the, we, we, we have a worldview in which uh, God's word is perfect. And so we come at it with not uh, a defeatist attitude of saying, oh, the Bible contains contradictions. So anything that uh, arises doesn't have an explanation that can be uh, balanced and or, or found to have a better explanation. Um, or we approach it from uh, uh, another way and say all, uh, all uh, the entire universe uh, is only known through uh, naturalistic means. And so uh, if you have the splitting of the Red Sea, well, okay, I might observe it, but clearly that's not a miracle because my worldview impacts w what my observations are and, and what my explanation to that observation is. Could possibly be, right? Possibly. My worldview kind of uh, puts boundaries around what the possible explanations, mm -hmm. the possible theories that I could come up with yeah. for any observation that I have, right? That's, that's the basic idea. Mm -hmm. he, uh, he talks about a particular famous example of how worldviews influence theory choice. Uh, with regard to um, Einstein's resistance <laughs> to quantum theory, which is um, with its indeterminacy and other weirdness, right? Mm -hmm. So we won't get into all of that. But he says, for example, not only is there uh, a built-in uncertainty in quantum mechanics, but this uncertainty, uh, this uncertainty about uh, when a radioactive particle will decay is a result of there being no definite time when the particle will decay. So radioactive particles decay. And, but we don't know when because there is no definite time, <laughs> right. at least to our knowledge. That's so we talk about half-lives. <laughs> That's right, right. There's nothing physical about the particle that dictates that it will decay at a particular time rather than another. So this, ex this same exact physical state can produce two entirely different results, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and, then we, and there is no way to, to predict which one will happen. 
But Einstein believed that the world simply isn't like this. Right? <laughs> he wanted to come up with a way to say, wait a minute, we, let's come up with a mathematical formula that will allow us to, to predict which one of these. Because, he said, God doesn't play dice. Mm-hmm. right? And so there must be a way to, to figure this out. Of course, he was never able to find one, and um, even though he spent his life doing it. Einstein, um, you know, um, so Einstein's worldview got in the way of his acceptance of quantum theory. Right? He said it can't work this way because there's got to be a way to figure out figure out what's going on here. Right? So uh, we, we get accused of God of the gaps, his is relativity of the gaps. That's right. Yeah. Einstein also disagreed with some of the founders of quantum theory about what a scientific theory should do. Mm-hmm. Right. So before we can a- answer uh, how do we know what's best, we need to know what should a theory be doing for us. What is the purpose of a theory? Now, we already said that what it it accomplishes is an explanation. But what does that exactly mean? What should a theory do? Right? Notice, when confronting with the counterintuitive world that quantum theory seems to depict, Niels Bohr, for example, said that a good scientific theory need not, notice this, need not tell us the truth about the unobservable world. It merely uh, need be a useful tool or a useful instrument for predicting the things that we can observe. So for Bohr's, we would call Bohr's uh, position instrumentalism or scientific anti-realism or scientific non-realism. He says that the the work that a theory does for us, what a theory should do, is just allow us to make predictions. It's, It's a useful tool. It's a tool that we can use, right? So that's one way of explaining what a theory should do, mm-hmm. right? It need not tell us the truth about the unobservable world. It merely needs to be a useful tool or an instrument for predicting things that we can observe, right? Okay, well, that sounds fine, right? We want a theory that allows us to predict, that's useful, that you know allows us to, to work with the things that we're working with and make predictions and that sort of thing, right? But what else? Uh, Well, the alternative view is known as scientific realism, Mm -hmm. right? According to to this view, the entities, properties, events posited by scientific theories really do exist and they really do occur. But Einstein disagreed with Bohr's (laughs) instrumentalism, believing that the goal of science is to get at the truth about reality, not merely develop tools uh, to manipulate the observable world. So on one side, we have the instrumentalist that says, look, we don't care about whether or not it's true. That's, that's not what we're looking at. Is it useful? Is it a good instrument, right? Is, does it allow us to predict and manipulate the world and all those type of things? On the other side, we say, no, no, no. What a, sci- what a theory should do for us is to get us at the truth, to tell us the way the real world actually is. So that's a debate between instrumentalism and realism with regard to what a theory should do. Mm-hmm. Right? So um, if, if you go back to relativity, uh, r- relativity might not be true, but it gets you the atom bomb. And that's really helpful for the yeah. war effort. Yeah. So we don't care that it's wrong. Uh, but it's, Or at least not true. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. It, not true. Yeah. Uh, but it, it gets us something powerful. And we, we, can, we can refine the theory later. You know, we can go back with... We're not we're not married to this theory, and uh, you know we'll we'll uh, come up with something else, and 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 we'll still have the atom bomb. So that's all right. 
Yeah, right. So he he says, suppose you and I are arguing over whether Newtonian physics or general rel- relativity is a better account of the nature of space. This argument will be difficult to sort out because <laughs> each theory assumes up front an entirely noticed different concept of space. Each theory comes with its own, we might say, worldview, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, of course, I, I'll think that Newtonian physics makes more sense of the concept that Newtonian physics assumes, Spaces like this, I'm assuming spaces like this, and look, Newtonian physics explains it. Yes, it yeah. wins, right? Um, the, the nature of space is itself colored, he, the point he's making here, by the theory. And this is often the case generally. We must stand, he says, on theories to argue for them. There's sometimes um, nowhere else to stand. Beliefs <laughs> about the theories are themselves soaked in theories, sometimes the very same ones, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, these theories then, uh, we posit a theory, the theory is based on our worldview. We believe the world is like this, and so this is the way we explain it. If we believe the world was different, not a Newtonian type of world, but a quantum physics type of world, we come up with different theories about, about what's going, about our observations, mm-hmm. right? And so, to a certain extent, our Worldview about uh, what we're doing, what we're looking at, the way the world is, influences clearly the theories that we come up with. Yeah. In fact, we'll see here even influences our observation. Yeah, in many ways. Yeah. Um, so uh, if if you go back to the the atom bomb, if you have a belief that um, uh, God God won't um, God won't allow you to destroy the earth because uh, he he's got that all wrapped up in, in his plan, and so. You uh, are hesitant about blowing up the atmosphere of the earth, but you have a worldview that says, well, God's in control and certain things have to come to pass in order for um, the earth to be destroyed. So we can let off any, as many as nuclear bombs as possible. And, you know, hopefully that doesn't fit perfectly into God's plan. Right. Or well, we could we could have another theory about what God is doing and saying, <laughs> you know, God is going to use this to end the world and therefore we should, you know. We should do it, yeah. right? And it's going to end the world, right? right? So, yeah. <laughs> so beliefs, the point he's trying to make here is that uh, the beliefs we have strongly influence the beliefs that we form. The mm-hmm. beliefs we have strongly influence the beliefs that, we're, that we form. Yeah. Now, again, if we're realists, we're going to say, yeah, but there is a real way the world is, and that's what we're, we want the truth about the way the world really is. And therefore, you know, we, we, we will have to figure out a way to get around these things. But we <laughs> need to make, we need to understand, and what makes science hard is that even when we're positing theories about our observations, we are influenced by our worldview mm-hmm. in terms of the, you know, what the world is like. Right. And so we need to understand that. Oftentimes a debate between, you know, whether or not, I don't know, evolution and creation, that sort of thing, is not about observations. Mm-hmm. It's not about, you know, the facts of the matter. It's about how the world is being perceived. Right, right. right. Yeah, um, so when when we think about this, uh, the, the worldview, um, uh, it, it, we have those beliefs and then it informs uh, kind of um, our, our expectations, uh, it's it's where we look, and so uh, this this moves us. It, it, we're not some tabula rasa, <laughs> blank slate where you approach an observation. Again, this Photoshop view of science. I approach this observation. I see this planet move, and then I postulate uh, a, another planet because of a, a wobble in in this. 
No, there there are underlying assumptions. If if uh, if today, if if we posited uh, planet X, Y, and Z, well, but we've never seen those types of of, um, of uh, influences where uh, these big planets would have on um, gravitational pull and fields and and uh, objects in space that you shouldn't see with these other planets. Well, then you might not postulate other planets because uh, you know that uh, th that type of experimentation has already been done and you haven't seen those those variations back then you're 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 not looking for planets because the, uh, your your worldview of, of how to identify uh, new planets out there uh, isn't um, doesn't it, allow it, for it, it right? doesn't allow for it yeah yeah, yeah. good so, so it, again it's not this Photoshop view of science it's this um, human, approach and one of the things about humans is we all come with certain assumptions that's our worldview in in how we get things if your worldview doesn't allow for miracles then the sun staying in the sky for a, another day could not happen and so another explanation must be the result right. uh, people were mistaken uh, everyone on earth fell asleep and <laughs> woke up and it was just another day right. uh, whatever it might be you cannot accept that a miracle occurs because your worldview does not allow for a supernatural intervention yeah. into what's going on. Yeah. yeah. And so with, re so then given this importance of worldviews with regard to, and its effect on our beliefs, now what he moves to is he's going to say that scientists now have a certain worldview, mm -hmm. right? And it comes from as a result of their education. So his next, uh, topic here is the education yeah <laughs> the education of a scientist right it often goes unnoticed or at least unmentioned that scientists undergo a particular intense kind of indoctrination right uh, this training is extremely formative and very effective preparing students for membership in a unique culture that's a worldview mm -hmm. right that's the basic idea ever after scientists tend to look at the world differently through a different set of lenses Right. And so there's this worldview that is that they are taught. They're indoctrinated, we might say, which is kind of a, you know, a, a tough word. But, you know, we'll, we'll say it like that because <laughs> that's what he uses. Mm -hmm. here. And so he gives us some examples of this, for instance, textbooks. Right. The context of textbooks is important, but it's just as important. What's just as important is the way textbooks present the material. They depict science as a relatively neat and hygienic uh, accumulation of knowledge with very little discussion of the historical messiness, its dead ends, misfires, and failures. Mm -hmm. right and, and we've seen this in, uh, at least uh, since 2019 now, uh, for you it might not be 2019, <laughs> there's relativity for you, um, <laughs> but we've, we've had discussions within local school communities about what should a textbook teach about evolution? Should it teach the controversy? Should it teach creationism alongside? Should they be given equal weight? Should they, um, should they even discuss creationism at all mm. as, as a possible uh, uh, secondary theory? Or is it so far outside the, the realm of possibility of science that it's not even worth consideration? Evolution is the only way. And the Earth is the center of the universe. Right. And so, yeah. And, <laughs> and so uh, yeah. the point he's making here uh, clearly is, you know, he says it's a Herculean task to simply take the main features of, of the scientific theory. And so there's little time and energy to ask, yeah. you know, the big questions 
uh, and for looking at the history and philosophy of science and mathematics. So you almost have to get into, you know, a different discipline in order to get those right. types. Because just getting the basics is tough enough, yeah. right? And so they they smooth it out, make it photoshopped so that uh, you can get the, the basics down. But again, you know, textbooks now are a way that uh, to view uh, science, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, the, and it allows for the development of a scientific view or a worldview that is given to science, yeah. the students who are studying science. In, in reading this, I was also thinking about, um, look at uh, various uh, forms of medicine. You have the Western medicine and the Eastern medicine. The Western medicine is going to teach you pills, surgery, um, uh, different humors of the body, <laughs> essentially. Uh, you know, blood is important, everything like that. But Eastern medicine is going to talk about uh, a spiritual aspect. It's going to talk about chakras. It's going to talk about acupuncture. It's going to talk about uh, a d- different, um, uh, you know, if, if you have back pain, it might not be a spinal thing. Uh, we should first look at how your alignment is or or if you have a, a muscle out of place. And so uh, acupuncture, massage therapy is, is the best one or, or crystals or uh, that might be an extreme <laughs> one. But but the, the way that those schools of medicine occur, um, you know, the, 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 I'm not trying to argue the pros or the cons of chiropractic, but uh, some people say doctor, other people say not doctor. Right, so right. Uh, it, it's about, uh, again, so that textbook, the, those initial um, formations is important. And also within textbooks, um, you know, you're, you're kind of given, being given um, again, the, the snapshot. You're given the picture, not the movie. Right. And so you don't have to go around proving one plus one equals two. One plus two is three. How, how, how does that work? Why does that work? You don't have to de- redevelop calculus. Newton's already done that for you. And so you're, you're, you're coming upon it. And so you're not having to do all this work that, you, that your ancestors have done mm-hmm. over the past generations to get you to this point. Right. And so is it important? Well, it almost seems like it, it's ingrained in us that it's not that important right. because it's already been done. It's already been proven. The science is settled. And so uh, go on about Let's your business. Move on. And, and yeah. now you, you have to prove higher levels of math That's for right. math's sake. Right. So, right. so that's it's so, important. Right. So indoctrination with regard to textbooks. Secondly, indoctrination with regards to notice. He says scientific education also teaches students what kinds of authorities <laughs> to trust. Well, I thought we weren't right? supposed to listen to authorities. Yeah. Kant He's, told us that, yeah. that authorities should be thrown out the window. Right, right. So this is crucial because most of what we know, even what scientists know, um, is based on, notice, testimonies, mm-hmm. right, uh, from what other people tell us, right? For instance, my name is Tony. How do I know that? <laughs> well, you know, an uh, authority told me that, right? Your, your birth testimony, certificate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, these people told me that this piece of paper is my birth certificate, and it's telling me that this is what my name <laughs> is. So I'm, it's based on their authority, mm-hmm. right? All, virtually many of our beliefs are based on yeah. The authority of what other the people have to say. Parents that right? also taught you about fairies stealing your teeth when you get lost. <laughs> that's right. Are you going to trust those people? Those yeah, are that's yeah, madness. That's, yeah, that that some guy puts presents <laughs> under a green evergreen tree, right? Yeah, inside, nonetheless. <laughs> In, and in, individual scientists make only a tiny fraction of the possible calculations, observation, and theory choice that are part of his or her neural subdiscipline. This was the point you were trying mm-hmm. to make, right? We, we use the authorities, right? Sanctioned sources mm-hmm. for the additional information include 
course lectures, journals, books, conferences, and even the most casual discussion with advisors and directors. All of these hone the student's ability to identify community-accepted sources of knowledge. Right. right. Well, and that's what you think because there have been, again, uh, sorry to pick on the social sciences, but I'm, I'm sure it's happened in, in the <laughs> natural sciences too, is they, they come out with uh, these weird, bizarre studies and they realize later on, well, we, we just made those up. Or, uh, yeah, we just took Hitler's Mein Kampf and, and changed a few words so that we instilled you know, uh, lesbian feminist uh, uh, Marxist theory within it, <laughs> and, and uh, it got passed through the same thing. And here are people citing our work. So there's the assumption that whatever scientific process, whether it's scientific or not, is probably up for debate. But whatever this process that at least science that has taught you this is how you do science or this is how you progress in science, these are the journals to look for. These are the ones in your field. These are the ones that can be trusted. When those fail, what does that do to your worldview? Does that does that upset it at all? You go, yeah. oh, no, it's just, you know, uh, a few jokesters yeah. uh, coming up. It's an up anomaly. With, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, yep, uh, red in the face, we're embarrassed, but we're definitely – Still yeah, we're right. not going to overthrow that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. So notice his point is, in any case, scientists have a special kind of deeply ingrained worldview, one that tells them which kinds of rationality are valuable, uh, uh, which kinds of theories count as successful, and so on. Science Scientists get a feel for which kinds of hypotheses are uh, even worth considering. Mm -hmm. Right? And so applying this to our discussion of the theory choice, to choose the best explanation is just to choose, notice, our favorite <laughs> explanation. That's right. what it is. And favorites are always determined by our values. Mm -hmm. Right? And so he's going to talk more about values in the second part when he talks about morality. But so there it is. How do we determine? Well, one way is, you know, we look at uh, the various theory, the explanation in terms of our worldview. Our worldviews have been shaped, at least scientists, by these various ways, textbooks and authorities and that sort of thing. And so uh, it's uh, the best explanation is our favorite explanation sure. based on what we value. Those come from, uh, you know, our worldview. And, and so we're really kind of caught in this. And, and it's and everybody does this. Right. It's neither bad or good, but we need to recognize it, be informed by it and understand that, uh, you know, consider ways to maybe help us to overcome these types of biases. Because right. real science is hard. It's not Photoshop. Right. The, the moon, whether you really like cheese, is <laughs> maybe not made of cheese once we go there. And so you have to do something with, with, that, uh, with that theory. That might have been your favorite explanation. And again, uh, because you're human, because scientists are human, um, you might get theories that come up like that. And so you have to be able to um, kind of um, do away with your, even your foundational beliefs or, or desires, I guess. Yeah. Uh, your, yeah. your favorite explanation might just be, oh, that, that was fun for a while. Good. So um, next, why is science hard? Science is hard because of the theory-ladenness <laughs> of observations. Yeah. We kind of hit on this before, right? Surprisingly, he says, our scientific theories strongly influence what we observe, Ooh. not just what we believe. That, that, I mean, some people would view this statement as a hard stretch. No, yeah. no, no. I look up in the sky. I, I see the moon. That It's there, yeah. right? That's yeah. a, so, I, I, sure, whether or not it's made of cheese is one thing, but All it's right. there. So here's the other thing. You look up in the moon or you look up in the sky. The sun is here at one time and the sun is there at another time. What does that tell us? 
Hmm. Does it tell us that the sun moved? Yes, at one time yeah, it did, right. right? Or does it tell us that the earth is moving? Well, now that, right? So notice, our scientific theories strongly influence what we observe. Did we observe the sun moving or do we observe the earth spinning? Mm -hmm. Well, it depends on our theory. <laughs> right. right. Location, location, location. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? So for one thing, our current theories, um, our current beliefs about what the world is like largely influenced, are largely influenced by what scientific theory we hold. Um, so this determines what sorts of features we wish to test, right, and the kinds of experiments we use to test them. Our theories also tell us which sorts of observations are acceptable, right, uh, which experiments count as reliable or successful. So again, you know, our theories are laden by our observations, right? And so what's, what's the issue here? Well, this is the point he's trying to make. Background knowledge, for instance, tells us what a particular observation means, right? And even uh, what counts as evidence for or against a theory. Mm -hmm. well, what the, the, our background knowledge is another way, perhaps, of saying in a brief way, our worldview, right? Our knowledge that we have that we, that we bring into the picture, that mm -hmm. we bring into the explanation, right? Yeah, um, there was a scientist, and I, I listened to a podcast with him, uh, Evie Loeb. From, um, from I believe Harvard, um, he uh, he postulated that there was this. Uh, well, he, he they observed a comet, and they said he, his postulation was it's it was possible if you were an alien civilization, this might be one of the ways you would send out uh, kind of beacons in order to uh, attract attention. And so um, he he became you know news famous because anytime you talk about aliens in the news, uh, especially <laughs> a scientist from Harvard, um, you 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 kind of uh, uh, get those um, get those uh, uh, headlines. But there's so many uh, people people in his field that don't view that because well the the fact that evolution even existed on here on on Earth is astronomical. The fact that it could happen out there. To, uh, again, is also astronomical. So, in their worldview, uh, aliens aren't possible. But in his, he's allowing for uh, a, a reality in which aliens exist and that they're willing to communicate and wanting to. And this might be um, a, a, a way that um, that that they do it. So, um, they both have the same observation. So, it's their worldview that allows for that type of, of, of um, evidence, either for or against it. Mm -hmm. He views it in, in the way that it, it's, uh, it's shaped or um, what he would consider as uh, communicable information um, as, as po potential evidence, uh, but other people just view it as a normal comment. So mm -hmm. um, again, it's, it's what, your, what your worldview allows you to observe and then also um, what counts against it. Well, for everybody else that doesn't agree with him, um, all the evidence counts against it because they, their worldview doesn't allow for, right. for alien. And, and so his point here, uh, Stokes' point, is that theory influences observation. Which influences theory, which influences observation, right? He says we have what he calls a kind of scientific hermeneutical circle. <laughs> 
for even for something as apparently objective as seeing, right? Seeing is believing, but the converse is true as well, right? And again, you know, what we see is the sun here at one time and the sun over there at another. What are we observing? Well, it depends on the theory that we have. Mm -hmm. Are we observing the sun rotating, moving around the earth, or are we observing the earth spinning. Well, what's our, what's our, what's our theory? Mm -hmm. What's our worldview? And then that will tell us then what we're observing to a certain extent, right? And so we need to be aware of that, right? Um, you might have to split this book up again. Yeah, I don't know. Or this chapter up yeah, again. Right? I think so. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's uh, getting late here with regard to our um, uh, discussion. Yeah. So how about we just end this here and then we take up the, the rest of this chapter uh, next time uh, because these are, I think these are important issues and we, and these, we need these to help him to make his case here. Right. I mean, a th theory is a, a large, large part of what science does and, and the, the, the fact that this is a, a large number of, um, of, of points that he makes in, in a, a greater number of pages, uh, I think uh, we, we need to cover uh, well. And uh, there's a, a little bit more to it. So, yeah, I agree. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much for uh, being with us this time, where, as uh, we have said now, we're going over Mitch Stokes' book, How to Be an Atheist. We've, we're working our way through this hard, turns out to be a hard chapter, right? Yeah. Even though it's not very long, it's only about eight pages or so. Right? <laughs> We've got the coal miner's dust on us. Yeah. And, uh, it's a, uh, real science is hard. This is chapter six. We're working our way through this, and uh, we'll pick this up next time. Yeah. So thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next week.